Hi everyone, welcome to the Cult I Left Behind podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Briggs, and I'm here to tell you my stories of growing up in the IBLP cult, which you might know from the Duggar family. And I'm your other host, Kyle Briggs. I'm Amanda's husband, and I have not heard most of these stories before, so stay tuned and we'll all get traumatized together. Welcome back to the next episode. Last week, we did Eye Traps. And it was unhinged. That was the most fun I've ever had recording an episode. (laughs) You did enjoy that one. So this week... Comedic gold, Kyle. Yeah. That was comedic gold. You're welcome. So this week, we're going to play off of that. And this is something we saw in the Shiny Happy People series. And they referred to it as code word Nike. Oh, yeah. What were the, what was going on when the when she kept saying Nike? All right, so in my family we called it eyes down. Okay, which simply meant that something scandalous, immoral, and would definitely build a stronghold in your heart was happening, so you had to look away. It could be a billboard, it could be a movie, it could be someone in the real world at the beach. How dare she! <laughs> <laughs> so if adults saw something that they didn't think kids should see. Yeah, adults, but also it, it was the same way in my family as it was described in the docuseries about shiny, happy people. The female children were given the task, the responsibility of being on the lookout for things that could cause their brothers to stumble and telling them basically to look away. And that's what I had to do as well. Interesting. So yeah. it wasn't they it wasn't just the adults, they recruited the the, the girls. The female, the female children. It wasn't boys, police yourselves. It was no female children, help your brothers refrain from stumbling. Mm-hmm. But also we weren't allowed to look at it either as as girls. Weren't allowed to look, but you had to look. Well, we were supposed to be on the lookout. Right. And then if we saw something, immediately avert our eyes and tell everyone else to eyes down. <laughs> How did that play out? Like if you're walking down the sidewalk and you just hear someone yell out, eyes down, do you like stop walking? Well, I mean, it wouldn't be yelled out. What? In the car, it would be. At home, it would be. Mm. But if we were out, it would be more like jabs and whispers, like eyes down, eyes down. But you did you like keep? going like whatever you were doing did you continue like if you're walking down the sidewalk would you have like stopped and waited or uh no i think we just had to keep moving and and i mean i think it got especially complicated at the beach because we would go to this lake house with chris's side of the family her parents would rent out a beach house every year that's more accurate than a lake house it was a beach house and So we'd be out there like sun, sand, the whole shebang, and it was the beach. There were women Mm -hmm. in bikinis or women in swimsuits that didn't go up to their, you know, nose. (laughs) (laughs) Any sort of swimsuit then. Yeah. And if they they were just walking by, like if they were out for a walk along the Mm -hmm. water, then it was eyes down. It got really complicated if they, you know, put their umbrella and beach chairs in the vicinity because mm-hmm. then it was like a continualized down. And I think sometimes the boys at least had to leave the beach. Wow. Yeah, that's like the worst place to go in this situation. Yeah. And my sisters and I, for a while there, I remember having like a one-piece swimsuit, but then having to wear a t-shirt and shorts over it. It was miserable. I bet. And it doesn't dry. It wasn't like we had special... Um, fast drying T-shirts or anything. It was like your your standard 1990s T-shirt. Mm-hmm. I remember wondering if I would drown because it was so heavy. <laughs> it is. I mean, when those <laughs> cotton shirts get wet, it's like a it'll strangle you. And they weren't shorts like little booty shorts. They were like down to your knees shorts. <sighs> wow, oh, it's a one way to ruin the beach. Yeah. I, and I think I think the girls got to stay if there were scantily clad women, but I think we weren't supposed to look. <laughs> and well, all right, the worst the worst of it actually wasn't even the beach because that was you know a couple days once a year. Mm-hmm. The worst was we lived in the Chicago area, and ninety four 
has billboards galore in that area. So, and there were all sorts of, you know, well, I don't really remember because I wasn't allowed to look, but there were, there were a lot of immoral Kyle billboards everywhere. And so driving anywhere was a nightmare because it was like eyes down, eyes down. And some of the, you know, billboards, this was before the digital era. So you plaster a billboard up, it's usually going to stay there for a hot minute. Mm -hmm. So we got to the point where we knew the route and we would know like a mile ahead of time and eyes down was coming, but we still had to be on the lookout for like the new ones. (laughs) There's another one that popped up. Yeah, because, you know, Satan was Mm. rampant running around the earth trying to destroy it. And the other one was <laughs> movies. We didn't watch TV, of course, but if a movie had a woman in a plunging neckline or a bikini or I don't know, then we had to do the eyes down thing. And Rick and Chris usually, unless the movie was rated G and even then sometimes in case they said shut up or something, um, Rick and Chris would have to watch every movie before we did to screen it and know like when they had to tell us to eyes down and which parts to fast forward and where, like if there were any cuss words so that they could bleep them out, um, like mute. And when we finally had that option, it used to be sitting in front of the TV, like literally turning the mm-hmm. dial for the volume. So everything took longer because it wasn't like, oh, we want to go watch this movie or we want to get this movie. It's Friday night. We're going to go to Blockbuster or Hollywood, if you remember that. Oh, and we usually couldn't even mm-hmm. walk in there because the posters and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm, no, big, big Kyle. Den posters. of Satan. You know, it, it would have to be a movie that Rick and Chris had already screened. Or if we wanted to watch a specific movie on a specific date, we had to convince Rick and Chris to screen it before that date so they would know what to edit out. And so inefficient. It, I think, I think the worst thing of it was it just created an intense curiosity. Mm -hmm. Just as a kid, like, what is going on? What's happening? Why, like, what is so bad that we can't see it? Or, you know, what, how is it going to corrupt our souls or something? And I can only imagine what that does for males uh, as a, as a female kid who was <laughs> so naively innocent. Um, I was just like, what's going on? Like, wow, how could something be this bad? And, I'll give you an example, a really embarrassing example of how innocent I was. Please keep in mind that I was like seven or something when I thought this. But I, like kissing was horrible, Kyle. Kissing in a movie, they're, they can't do that. That's yeah. not godly. The unforgivable sin. So we would have to look away. And we're talking like black and white movies from the 30s and 40s where like kisses were a fraction of a second because that was, you know, moderated and um, the rating association had rules about how long a kiss could be and all of that. We were not allowed to watch that. Like the chaste pecking, we still had to eyes down. And I thought because you weren't supposed to kiss and only married people were supposed to kiss. And I would see the same actor like Fred Astaire would be in movies with Ginger Rogers, but he would also be in movies with other women. So I was like, okay, well he can't be married to all of them. So <laughs> like he's not, he's not allowed to kiss these women. Cause like, obviously they're not his wife. So I, I literally thought that they put on like plastic lips or some sort of covering to protect their their morality in movies while they kissed. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. A very creative solution. To well, that. I mean, Kyle, you can't do it <laughs> I if, guess. if you're not married. And I mean, they were all going to hell. That was the only other option. Like they were wearing fake lips or they were going to hell. Pick one. And, you know, I wasn't as jaded about humanity back then. So I guess I didn't want them all to go to hell. I'm still I'm not quite that jaded, guys. It's okay. But yeah, that that was the solution my young brain came up with uh, for for explaining how these people could kiss in a film without being damned to hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it was my sister Amy, the one who's three years older than I am, who in like whispers and 
it was very clandestine. She explained to me that they were actually kissing with their real lips. And I had an existential fucking crisis. It was so bad. I remember where we were in our room. Like, I remember what time of day it was. It it stunned me so much that these people were committing such a heinous act. On TV. On film. And she had to, like, sit there and convince me that they were actually kissing. And then I was like, well, of course we have to ice down. This makes sense. (laughs) So did you guys, like, did you guys not watch a lot of movies then? Or did they go through the whole, all that hassle? We watched the same movies over and over and over again. And, And, like, the best movies were movies that didn't have any sexuality, attraction, like, Nothing. There was nothing there. So, like the Black Stallion in that film, it's a boy and a horse on an island, and then it's a a boy and a horse back in I think England, and then there's like the old trainer dude who helps them prep for the big race, and I think his mom's part of it. And like, there's nothing going on there. Mm -hmm. It's just a kid and his horse. So that was very safe. We watched that movie a bunch. I don't remember. There were others that were like our staples, but yeah, we, I mean, we'd watch the same movies. I mean, I can imagine if you're having to <laughs> filter and pre-watch everything and make sure it's safe. Like that's a lot of work to. Well, go the the funniest thing that would happen is, you know, I've already explained how there were some loopholes because Rick liked it, like Star Trek, Star mm-hmm. Wars, stuff like that. He would have movies. He's like, "Oh, this is such a great movie. I remember it." I know it's fine. And you turn it on and like 20 minutes and like, we'd all be like, yeah, we're in this movie. We're hooked. Yeah. Come on, man. And then there would be a kissing scene or something. And Rick would be like, no, I didn't remember this. And he'd turn it off and we'd all be like, dad. And he'd, he'd get so mad. He'd get so mad. And I think that was another part of it that was just startling as a kid was, you know, if they kissed, if there was any hint of something sexual, it wasn't like a calm, okay, guys, like maybe this isn't the most appropriate thing. It was like a a panic and freak out and like rushing to block the scream, the screen and screaming, eyes <laughs> down, eyes down, everyone eyes down. And, and it just made it so, I guess, intense. I don't know. I felt like an absolute sinner as an adult when I started like not fast forwarding or looking away when (laughs) people kissed on screen. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting that like he had watched all these things and clearly it had been okay when he watched them at a younger age. And then now, you know, once he was enmeshed in the cult, he had to change that belief well, system, is, or at least that's what it seems like. Yeah, he had to change the belief system, but also all the adults in the cult who had lived like a standard life before the cult were convinced that they were like these horrible sinners during that time of their life pre-cult. Mm. So everything they did was wrong. Everything they did was evil. Everything they did dishonored God and Bill. <laughs> and... It's such an interesting thing to like join, like, you know, live a normal life. We'll just put it that way. Simple. Sure. You live a life and then you join this cult. And then now all of everything before that is now a sinful, horrible part Mm -hmm. of your life. And you have to forget it and repent and like Mm -hmm. feel ashamed about it. So ashamed. And, And they were trying to prevent their children like parents in the cult were trying to prevent their children from you know making the mistakes they did which Mm -hmm. was like i don't know hold a boy's hand before (laughs) marriage kiss a boy god help you if you had sex before marriage or have like multiple boyfriends or girlfriends before marriage (laughs) how dare you for little kids so i mean the way they viewed it was they were trying to protect our innocence or, or like not give us any sexual knowledge so we wouldn't have any interest in it. We wouldn't be tempted by it. But I think it had, at least for guys, and I know some some females, it had exactly the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they were tantalized by it. It was this unknown thing. It generated a lot of curiosity. I think it caused a lot of repression. We all know how that works out. 
So. Yeah. I mean, any, anytime you take something away from a kid or withhold it from them, they're, they're and kids are curious. They're, they're going to want to see what it was. Like, why can't I watch that? And mm-hmm. they're going to wait till you leave the room and sneak in there and steal the, the VHS and put it on one when you're not looking just to see I what it was. I think my brothers, well, Andy, I think Andy would do that. And I think spending time with relatives was really rough because we'd go to family events, holidays, birthdays, stuff like that. And the TV would be on. And or like football or basketball games and cheerleaders and their mm-hmm. little outfits and and so it wasn't a private thing that no one knew about. Like the whole extended family knew that the Lewis kids had to eyes down to the point where like they would tell us to. Like the aunts and uncles and grandparents would be like, Okay, Lewis kids, eyes down. Your parents wouldn't want you to see this. So <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was it was everywhere. Um And like there was always, you know, if we were in the room where the TV was on, Rick and Chris would have to be in there like, you know, monitoring and then they'd get in fights with the other adults because the other adults would be pissed off that Rick and Chris wanted them to change the channel if, you know, something, some woman without a burqa, you know, was on the screen. And it really annoyed Chris's brother-in-law, her older sister's husband. I think I think he was kind of an antisocial dude to begin with, but like I just remember how frustrated he always was with having to accommodate my family's beliefs yeah. and and values and rules, <laughs> so many rules around that kind of stuff. I mean, I could see how that's annoying. Especially if you think it's stupid, but like, really, I have to like monitor what these kids are watching because, you know, someone holds hand on the screen and it's forbidden um, or or whatever the context mm. is there. But like, I can see how that's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Did he ever like ignore that just because he didn't care? And let no, you watch he would or... look over and be like, eyes down. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like he he would get frustrated with Rick and Chris, but he would still like, okay, look away. Your parents don't want you to see this. And <laughs> I, I, I think I'm trying to remember like Thanksgiving. Um, for a long time, the tradition was to watch Wizard of Oz. There's no kissing in Wizard of Oz. There is a witch, though. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys were allowed to watch The Witch. (laughs) Just not Harry Potter. And then and then that tradition switched to Princess Bride. And you know there's kissing in that movie. This is a kissing book. So the family, like the relatives, would kind of make a joke of it, like, all right, look away, look away, everyone eyes down. And I don't remember how I felt about that. I don't remember if I was embarrassed or if it was just so normal. I didn't care. Yeah. I mean, it's hard if that's all you ever knew. Yeah. You got to eyes down. You can't look at these types of things. Yeah. Were you ever like curious about that stuff? I know you were like a real to the letter, like rule follower, but like this will shock you. But like there were some Fred Astaire movies. I, I looked when I was supposed to be closing my eyes, I kind of like halfway look, what is he doing? He's Fred Astaire. Like he's supposed to be perfect. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure I saw him kiss Ginger Rogers on screen a few times as a kid. <laughs> oh, and here was the other thing that I couldn't logic out as a kid. We were not allowed to watch it, but Rick was. Rick was allowed to watch movies with scantily clad women, with kissing, with sex scenes, all of that kind of stuff. And I'm trying to remember how I know that. Was he like watching that in the living room when you and like he and Chris would like like normal like you mm-hmm. and I would sit down and and watch you know Star Wars without fast forwarding anything or insert any other movie. Um, they would watch movies like normal people. They wouldn't turn down the cussing. They wouldn't fast forward the kissing or sex scenes. They would watch it like normal people. And I remember questioning them about this. I remember asking Chris, like, well, why is that okay? Like, why can dad see it? 
and we can't. And I forget what she said to me, but I think it was something along the lines of he's already married and knows what women look like or something like that. Okay. <laughs> the double standards and like oh, yeah. everything is just ridiculous, especially with the, yeah, I mean, especially with the men. Um, well, entirely with the men, I, I think. Um, but it's just crazy that, you know, kids aren't allowed to watch this and we have to turn it down protect your innocence but, but like, i won't wear lingerie because that'll turn you on but you can w- watch a movie with sex scenes uh, but I mean, it's just weird that like they would watch a movie in the living room and not turn it down and like if you're a kid like you'd probably just be like sitting by your door well, in your room like listening through the door okay it was better than that oh so <laughs> <laughs> um they would do this of course like late after we were all supposed to be asleep but the way the house in Illinois was set up, all of the bedrooms were down this one hallway. And then you would come out of the hallway into like the foyer area. And then there was kind of like this arch mm-hmm. going into the living room area. And there was enough wall. <laughs> there was enough wall, like just enough that went into the arch. I don't know exactly how to describe this, but there was like a lip there where you could stand and hide and like Mm -hmm. peek around, but you had to be very stealthy about it. You had to like hug the wall all the way down the hall and then like turn your body just right so that you could hide behind that one little blip of wall. And then you could like put one eye ball around the corner and see what was going on. So you could see the TV, but they couldn't see you. Exactly. Their backs were to us. Perfect. So... I think I watched most of most of Star Wars A New Hope that way. <laughs> See, Kyle, it can be a little rebellious when it comes it to with, nerdy things. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to watch that, but you can use both eyes this time. Oh, I've seen it a million times <laughs> since then. I for, Oh, yeah, I remember the first time Rick decided we were allowed to watch Star Wars episode. What is it? Is that four? Yeah, episode four. And... um that was such a good day. <laughs> Life-changing experience. I can't remember if we had to look away when Leia pecks Luke on the cheek right before they do the like flying, swinging leap mm-hmm. to get away from stormtroopers on the Death Star. Yeah. Because I think that's the only like kiss in the whole movie. That's probably why we were allowed to watch it, actually, because there's really nothing romantic. Movie yeah. Yeah. So you couldn't go to the beach because, or you, you well, we could, could but, but it was, was a complicated. Idea. Yeah, complicated. <laughs> Driving was complicated. Like <laughs> everything was complicated. Everything was complicated. Kyle, it was a cult. <laughs> was there? I'm trying to think of like what other things would just be a horrible idea with this uh, belief system. Like, is there having female cousins who grow up and then they start wearing bikinis? Um, that really complicated things. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So, like, if your cousins had boyfriends or or girlfriends like uh, we were told that they were sinning <laughs> so you were definitely not allowed to see them like hold hand, like i mean what I would mean, happen if they were like holding hands or or well kissing or being affectionate or they you know, didn't within six really <laughs> the illinois cousins the ones we were close to um i don't think they really had significant others that they brought around until we were all like adults but if they talked about boyfriends or girlfriends or dating or anything, we were reminded that that was not God's way. Mm-hmm. Courtship was God's way. So were your parents like ever affectionate in front of you guys? Oh gosh. That, yeah. So they would, okay. they would, yeah. Cause you know, married people can do that. So they would like make out and we'd all be like, ah, and then they'd like make out harder to gross us out. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so yeah. Which is interesting. Because we, we could see people kissing in real life. Well, I guess usually those people were married. Huh. But no they, they didn't monitor our our eyes down of, like, real live people mm-hmm. <laughs> kissing. I guess we weren't around a lot of people who were unwed and making out, though. So maybe that wasn't too hard. I mean, it sounds like a lot to just kind of manage party of kids mm-hmm. um and take them into public places where there's the potential to have all these issues did I, you did that limit like where you guys were oh yeah to go? like did you guys yeah. go into public a lot well we went to a lot of parks and we went 
you know, ice skating and rollerblading and stuff like that. I think it really did limit what we could do and where we could go. But what I remember more is just all of the talks before, you know, we went out into the the sinful world to prepare us for the evil we might encounter. <laughs> so were any of your siblings just like straight up rebellious with this stuff and wouldn't follow the rules or or well Andy bend them. Andy would like turn on the TV and get it to work when he was left babysitting. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if he did that when anyone else like I remember when he was left alone with me. He did that. I don't know. I don't remember if he did that with like multiple siblings home. But we watched um, one time Chris was gone with everyone else. And he turned on what was what was the um, like puppet TV show Lamb Chops or something? The Muppets? No, it was a lady who was a ventriloquist and she made the little lamb like talk. It sounds familiar, but I don't know. We watched like a couple episodes of that. I don't know why that was off limits, but we couldn't even watch Mr. Rogers. Really? Yeah. Mr. Rogers was so innocent. Well, Kyle, it was on the television. (laughs) I can't think of a single thing that man ever said that was questionable. I mean, I love him as an adult. I discovered him as an adult and was like, wow, this really would have helped me in my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> he was really nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of good messages. I was Lots really of hoping messages. you had like a rebellion leader amongst the group of you that would well, like break the rules when the parents were away. Well, like, like Andy would. Um, I've talked in the past about the radio we had in the kitchen that my brothers got really adept at like spinning the dial perfectly (laughs) to the country music. Yeah. To get in and out of the country music station. So I guess it was all boys. Like, yeah. I mean, that would make sense. I feel like the girls are probably way too scared or conditioned to condition, not be rebellious conditioned. It was way more important for female children to be, beaten into submission, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to prepare them for their rightful place in the world under a man in all senses of the word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you talked about like when you're watching TV and like something shows up on the TV, everybody scrambles to to correct the situation mm-hmm. or, you know, get you to look away. Was there ever like actual punishment or discipline that happened if you were intentionally or unintentionally looking at something you should be looking at? I think you just like at? got yelled at or in trouble generally. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of this is probably feeding into a lot of the issues that was running around in the cult with all the sexual assault and mm-hmm. the rape that was happening and mm-hmm. the physical violence, I assume, was probably related to that somehow. I mean, they're repressing all of these kids and they're curious about stuff. And instead of having like healthy conversation about boundaries, yeah, you're just completely shutting them out of it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, kids are just curious. Mm-hmm. And so how did like, how did that play out? Or, I mean, was that just the, one of the main catalysts for all the well violence and a lot of families? Well, let me let me think about how to say this accurately. There are many stories of a, like sexual assault within families, um, especially among the children, like children assaulting each other. And I think it's possible that that was kind of a result of repression, a result of making it this like this this thing you can't have and and it's it's this um unknown and it's there's a mystique about it and i think of it a lot like how i would handle alcohol if i had children like if i had a kid who, who was in their teens i'd be like here try this beer like if you're if you're going to do it i would rather you sit here with me <laughs> and have a beer and mm-hmm. tell me what you think of beer do you like it? Does it taste good? Like, mm-hmm. talk to me. And and that strips the mystique. You, you want to try some wine? Okay, here, have a sip of my wine. I think if you can normalize 
aspects of personhood and adulthood, particularly with teenagers, it really removes that mystique element and satisfies the curiosity and makes it unlikely that they're going to go, you know, with alcohol in particular, buy a six pack and like chug it with their friends behind your back. Because they've tried it, and like I personally think you have to develop a taste for beer. <laughs> beer tastes gross initially. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's what happened to me. Like I remember being in the garage. My dad, you know, there was a beer because he always had beer when he was in the garage, like welding or whatever. And I remember, I don't know if I just took it and drank it or he like gave it to me. <laughs> I, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't secretive. And I remember taking a swig of that, and I was like, "This is disgusting!" And like. <laughs> You know, I was like, there's no, like, why would you even drink this? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a pretty good, a pretty good put off for me, you know, mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, but like, that's, you know, that's a cultural thing and you can you like alcohol or not, mm-hmm. or, you know, you're, everybody's got different belief systems on that. But when you start talking about romance and sex, mm-hmm. like there's a hormonal drive and like a, you know, that's. That's like a carnal thing that is for humans, and mm-hmm. you have to learn how to manage that in a healthy way. In a healthy way. So, did you see a lot of like because all these kids were repressed and they couldn't see kissing and hand holding and all this other stuff, except in specific situations? Like, did you see a lot of of kids like creeping around people's, you know, their parents' back and like doing? you know, harmful things or like experimenting in like very unhealthy ways well, yeah. because they didn't get the talk. They didn't know what yeah. was even happening. They just, their bodies were probably feeling this and like, oh, I really like Susie over there. Like, I don't even know why, but like Susie is attractive to me. And then you just like, it's the wild, wild west at that point. Well, I saw it manifest in two ways. One is of course, like harm, like my brother, um, all of, I think all but one of my brothers perpetrated harm in our home, um, due to, oh, well, I would say Andy was malicious. The other ones I would maybe be a little gentler with and say it was like a product of repression and curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one way. The other way it manifested was rushing into marriage so you could have sex. Yeah. So, and and I think that (laughs) created some really harmful marriages, um, really harmful relationships. But I think if we go back to like the alcohol analogy with removing some of the mystique, I I think you do have to exercise discernment with kids. Like, I think that there is an appropriate level of like, hey, I'm going to monitor what you consume. And and I'm very pro monitoring what kids consume. But, but – I think you have to be honest with kids. Like I, some of my friends, like the ones I think are the best parents, they, they answer their kids honestly. When they ask a question, they're not going to say like babies come from storks. They're going to teach them proper anatomical terms and be like, all right, you asked the question. Let's, let's talk about it now. And I think that there is a way to talk about hormones and sex drives and, and lust and, human sexuality in a way that, first of all, a kid knows they're not going crazy. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine being in that situation when you're hitting puberty. Right. Like everything's going haywire (laughs) and all you know is like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. And I have to shut this down and it's evil and Mm -hmm. wicked. So, So I think there is a healthy way to monitor, but also remove the questions and the curiosity and to a certain extent, the mystique of it all, simply by allowing allowing your kids to know and understand that human sexuality is a normal and good thing. Yeah. I mean, you have to remove the taboo part of it because, yeah. I mean, kids are just curious. And I keep saying that, but it's like you can't, you can't ignore that fact. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And ignoring that is just going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And and you're missing out on these wonderful opportunities to set them up for for healthy sex lives in adulthood when you when you force them into all this repression like you then you're not having conversations about consent. You're not having conversations about boundaries. You're not teaching your daughters that 
their experience in their sex life matters. It's not just about the guy. Like there are so many things, so many good things you miss out on when you insist on repression and just like hiding this whole shameful thing that is human sexuality. So like, sure, I don't, if I had a kid, I wouldn't want them looking at billboards of gentlemen's clubs, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't be like, eyes down, oh my God. (laughs) I'd be like, hey, look at that sunflower out that window. You know, like just redirect. There Mm -hmm. are are other ways to do that. And I, I mean, I even think it's appropriate at some point to tell them, what the billboard means right. like <laughs> this is a thing and and i would take the the route of like here's how objectification harms society and you know all that kind of stuff but i would much rather have those conversations with with kids and with young adults than just like oh my god how dare the world exist and people put this out there and and like I mean, I've been pretty vocal about it on this podcast. I'm not a believer in strip clubs and and pornography and all that because I think it it harms society. It harms women. But it's out there. Like me saying I don't like it on a podcast isn't stopping the world from doing it. So I think it's better to have honest conversations with kids and set them up for success to think through things critically and know what to do with their body when it's, you know – experiencing all these changes they don't know how to handle or what they mean. So, I mean, I think the Nike thing, the eyes down thing, I think it was more harmful than helpful. And I know parents were just trying to keep their kids from getting pregnant. (laughs) Like, it was really more that than anything. Uh, But I think it really backfired. I think there's a whole generation of kids that came out of that cult that were significantly sexually repressed, and it caused a lot of problems and a lot of different aspects of their lives. And even kids who weren't in the cult, like my ex-husband was not in the cult, but I'm I'm pretty convinced that a lot of the things that led to our divorce were due to a repressive upbringing mm-hmm. and just not knowing how to transition from like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm repressed to like, okay, we're married now and apparently everything's okay. So I, I experienced this as a, as a kid, so I think this is kind of normal, but when you don't learn things from your parents – you still end up finding something out from your peers or Google or, well, I mean, I wasn't, I'm too old for that. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, you, you do learn things from other kids in school or Mm -hmm. your friends or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like what was the culture like in the, in the cult where like, so everybody's probably eyes down on all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Was there, like this movement inside the cult? Like, did you see other kids or were, were they sharing information? Like, did you get information from other kids or was like everybody that repressed that nobody knew anything? Okay. Kids in the cult. I never experienced any of those conversations. Um, a a quick content disclaimer warning. I am going to talk about sexual assault here for just a second. Um, I learned the word sex when I was like, I think seven, maybe eight, because my non-cult friend, I was over at her house. And and the reason I had this non-cult friend was her mom and Chris went way back. So they just kind of got like – um, they were an exception. Got grandfathered they in. They got grandfathered in. They were an exception. And and I, I loved them. And – um. I got to hang out with them and I was over at their house. It was my friend and one of her other friends and we were playing dress up and the the other little girl, the friend of my friend was like, I'm going to, my character is going to sneak out and have sex. <laughs> and my other little friend, like my friend was like, oh, you can't say that. <laughs> and I was like, what sex? <laughs> and, and my friend was like, she whispered, she was like, it's when grownups take off their clothes and they kiss all over. And the content disclaimer part is that's how I figured out what was happening to me. Really? Yes. So that was, that was the moment when you got an anatomy lesson. That was when I realized what was happening to me was sex. Wow. Yeah. What like ha- what happened after that? Like I that froze up inside, everything? and like in the moment, that's what. And I, 
I didn't know what to do. I didn't say anything. I didn't tell anyone that was happening to me. Um, but that was enough information. To it get was you enough thinking. information for me to know that what was happening to me was sex. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, that, that's, I mean, it just kind of plays into everything else. Like you can't ignore those conversations. Like kids are going to find out. Yeah. Kids are going to find out. And in this case, it was a good thing. Like that was a good thing that you found out so that you had an idea of what was even happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like in another life, uh, in another world, I wish that conversation had been from a loving adult. Right. Who, cause it was, it was terrifying to me. Like I learned the word sex in the context of being sexually assaulted and, and sex was just this terrifying thing. Whereas I think, let's say I was still being sexually assaulted and a, and a safe, healthy, kind, loving adult had explained sex to me. I probably would have told them that that was happening to me. Mm-hmm. You're not like for me, at least I wasn't going to tell my friend, what was she going to do about it? Right. Cause she was treating it like a shameful thing. And her friend was treating it like this ooh taboo thing, like ooh, <laughs> the bad kids. So it wasn't going to come out in that moment. But if, if a, if an adult had explained to me what sex was, I think I would have told them. Yeah, I mean, if I you really felt do. safe with that person, if that was a safe adult that you you trusted and and mm-hmm. and know, they had could... made it a not taboo thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if it had just been normalized as like this is what's supposed to happen in a safe and healthy context, I one would have figured out. I still would have figured out that's what was happening to me, and two, I would have had the data to know like, oh, this is supposed to be safe and healthy, and. And that isn't how I feel at all. So this ain't good, which I already knew. But I think my like justice drive probably would have kicked in enough to like to speak up at that point. Do you think there's any part of that that is not like justice related that maybe you were just you would have been so naive and not really even understood what that meant? You would have just like let it out accidentally like no. oh well that's that's what no, was happening was, like this happens to me no i was way too savvy for that because i was being threatened oh i was being threatened that you know my life would be taken or one of my siblings would mm-hmm. be hurt mm-hmm. um so no i wouldn't have blurted it out like oh well i know what that is but i think i would have said like i need help I need help because someone's doing that to me and I'm not a grown up or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's, that's the thing that just is very interesting when I look back. I, I have always my whole life been someone who's totally okay with asking for help. And I never did during that time ever, ever, ever. Even when I told my parents I didn't ask for help. Well, I guess the one time I did was the night I was suicidal as a teenager and went to Chris and tried to get help. And she said, I must've liked it or it wouldn't have taken me so long to tell them what Andy did to me. I think that was the only time I tried to get help from anyone about the sexual assault until I was an adult away at college. So yeah, I think in a, in another world, um, if an adult, with whom I felt safe had explained it to me, I would have asked for help. So parents, I guess, educational moment with Amanda, please have these conversations with your children. Don't wait for them to find out. There are so many great resources out there, books, um, YouTube channels, all this. Like, Just Google it. You'll, you'll know what's going to be good for you and for your kid and, and for their developmental stage. But if you can be that safe person who is able to explain to a child what human sexuality is and and talk to them about consent and what's what's healthy and what's good first of all if your child is being harmed it's going to go a long way toward opening the door for them to tell you if they don't tell you in that moment it's it's going to be a significant step toward them telling you right. in the future and then also you're setting them up to to not be naive 
you're you're setting them up to make good choices. You're setting them up to to have healthy sexuality when when the timing is appropriate for them. And yeah, I, I just can't stress enough how important it is to have these conversations with your kids, but you have to be that safe person, you know? And I've said this before, you gotta be a safe person in the other moments, like when they get a bad grade, when they have a behavioral meltdown, when, you know, other things happen, you have to be that grounded person. And if you don't get it perfect in the moment, you're the type of parent who circles back and apologizes if if you weren't your best self in that moment and you make it right. Like those are the safe signals. Those are the green flags to your kid that if they come to you about something big, you can handle it and, and you'll be there with them and you'll walk through it with them. So have the conversations. Of course, use discernment with what your kids consume, but also recognize that like human sexuality isn't going anywhere. It's been around <laughs> yeah. forever. It's going to keep it. It's still going to be here forever. So it's going to come up and and that's okay. Just try to have normalizing conversations with your kids, teach them what it means to to be healthy around the topic of human sexuality. And I know there's a wide range of belief systems around that, which, which is why I'm using kind of vague language, because some people are going to be like, no sex till marriage. And other people are going to be like, hey, do your thing, but think about STDs. And eat. so whatever your value system is around that, the most important part is is don't try to suppress human sexuality because it isn't going to work. It might work temporarily and maybe like me, you'll make it to marriage without having um, consensual sex. But but when there is repression, it's it's like um, what what is the instant pot? What is that form of cooking called where you use pressure? Pressure uh, cooker. Yeah, pressure cooker. It's like a pressure cooker. <laughs> like it's it's gonna the steam's gonna escape in some way. It's mm. gonna escape in some way at some point in their life. So set them up for success by having the conversations, by not freaking out if there's a woman in a bikini. Um, and just talk to your kids, talk to your kids about, about their bodies, about human sexuality, about sex, let them be in the know about themselves, um, about their bodies. And I think, I think honesty is going to set them up for so much more success than eyes down Nike repress, repress, repress. So if you want to talk about like social change or cultural changes, like talking to your kids about these things is going to go a long ways. And, you know, this is a, this is one of those grassroots movement thing where it takes place in everybody's house, like one mm-hmm. house at a time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having those conversations with your kids, you know, that's going to limit, that's one less chance for there to be, you know, a domestic violence situation or a sexual assault sexual situation. Assault situation. Yeah. And I know it's like uncomfortable conversations and I'm part of like men's group where, you know, luckily those guys will ask the hard questions. They're like, I'm a single dad and my daughter just hit puberty and Mm -hmm. there's all this stuff going on and now I got to have the conversation and everything. Mm -hmm. But they're actually trying to figure out like, how Mm -hmm. do I have that conversation as opposed to just like hoping you never have to say anything Mm because that is just a bad road to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same, you know, the same thing applies for when boys hit that age, you know, you <laughs> teach them. Yeah. Like, so I think you more teach so. them consent <laughs> and, and because it's a hard thing to face as a parent and, you know, I'm not a parent, but you know, I'm going off of what I've seen other guys go through. And like, those are just hard conversations, but those are where the change happens. Yeah. Like when you, when, you talk to your kids about those things like you're eliminating or greatly reducing the chances of, you know, sexual assault. Them rape. creating harm or being the recipient of harm. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, with, you know, everybody has to do it. That, that's mm-hmm. the only way this is going to change. And mm-hmm. we eliminate those types of things from happening is everybody's got to have these conversations. And I'm seeing more and more of it, like even in in my work around these topics, um, I'm seeing more and more parents express willingness to have these conversations or they're already doing it magnificently on their own, just, you know, 
maybe because of their experiences growing up and stuff. So I think that's great and we need to build that momentum. And the other thing I would say is if your kids are older and you're like, and you're listening to this and you're like, well, shit, maybe I didn't have all the conversations I needed to have with them. Like, hey, try, like circle back, ask them, ask them how they're doing with that. Ask them if, if, Okay, here's a hard one. Here's a hard one. Ask them if they feel like you prepared them well. (laughs) And and like have a huge open heart, huge open heart and a lot of love and grace for yourself. If you think you're going to get a negative response from your kid, try to go into that with the, the most open heart and mind you can and truly listen to them. And and talk about it. Like, if apologies are necessary, apologize. If they're like, okay, well, you're willing to talk now. Let's like, can you can you talk to me about it? Like, have the conversations. Do it scared, if you have to. Uh, like Kyle said, I think this is how we we continue moving society forward toward a future where where there is less harm and and where people are more educated and equipped to harness, to manage, whatever you want to call it, their own sexuality. Because like I said, that's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. So let's be responsible with it as individuals and as a society. Well, we went way down the eyes down (laughs) rabbit hole, but I think- Are you surprised? It was a conversation with me. (laughs) What did you think would happen here, Kyle? This is is what you talk about these days. Um, So it didn't surprise me in the least, but I think that's a great, um, I think- it was a great conversation. Yeah, and thanks for having it with me. I love that. I love that you'll talk about all this stuff. It's kind of cool that I'm married. You. <laughs> <laughs> so, I really like you. Have I mentioned that <laughs> a couple times? <laughs> so that wraps up our eyes down episode, and we'll be back next Monday. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Cult I Left Behind. Until next time, don't join a cult. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe, and we will catch you on the next episode.